Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. I can't tell you how glad I am that you have tuned into Mavericks and Misfits today. And uh, one of the reasons that we began this podcast is to accompany the ministry of Transforming Truth, which is kind of the umbrella ministry that this podcast is under. And Transforming Truth was started with the intention of um, reacquainting scripture uh, Christians with the scriptures. And I know that sounds very like mundane, but what I found out in over two decades of pastoring is that most Christians don't know their Bible. And because they don't know their Bible, they don't really know God. They have at least, um, in a lot of cases, um, misinformation that characterizes their understanding of who God is. And if we don't know who God is because we don't know the word, then we can't really know what God expects and what God offers, what God promises and what God prohibits. And so Transforming Truth began as what we call an expository preaching ministry. It's where you open the Bible, you preach the actual verses, you tell people what they mean to help them to understand the God of the Bible and the word of God. And what I want to do in the Mavericks and Misfits podcast is just to recognize the reason why I call it Mavericks and Misfits is because once you become a person who is having their faith um, uh, defined by what the scripture says, you automatically become a misfit in the American church. Um, and you will be viewed as a maverick in the American church. And those two things aren't, that's not a bad thing as far as I'm concerned. If it's because you are aligning yourself with the God of the Bible, what he says, what is written, what he has inspired and preserved in the word, the reason why you're going to be a misfit is because you will not perfectly fit with any denomination. A denomination is a representation of the whole. That's what a denomination is. That's a denomination of money, denomination of Christianity. It's a, it's, a, it's a representation of the whole, but it's not the whole. Well, friends, Jesus didn't die so I could have a slice of truth. Jesus didn't die so I could get a little bit of what God wants. Jesus died that we might step into all of it. And so when you start letting the scriptures identify and define what you believe and who you are, then any denomination, no matter what it is, is going to eventually kind of cut cross grain over what you believe. So welcome. If you consider yourself a maverick, if you consider yourself a misfit, then you're in good company here. One of the areas that I found in my early journey with Jesus that did not fit in well with my particular original denomination was the the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Um, I would read my Bible and see these awesome, amazing things that were um, taking place in Scripture and miracles, signs, wonders, gifts, supernatural encounters. And my Christianity didn't look anything like that, nor did anybody else's Christianity with whom I was doing life. And so I was taught at an early spiritual age, right after I became a Christian, not to expect those encounters with the Holy Spirit, not to expect miracles, not to expect supernatural gifting or dreams or visions. I was told not to expect those things because God doesn't do those things anymore. 
And I said, oh, okay, well, these guys, these are my spiritual mentors. They probably know better than I do. So I became what's called a cessationist. I didn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, nor in the supernatural work of God in the modern church. And so I was taught, just read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, and believe what it says, and be disciplined, be obedient, live holy, and so on and so on. And all those things are good. I'm not against those things, but they're incomplete. And it's not that the word of God is incomplete. It's just the idea that all we have to do is read the word of God and our Christian lives will be complete. That's false because reading the Bible does not bring you into an encounter with the author of the Bible. The only way you get to encounter the author of the Bible is through the person of the Holy Spirit because he is God and he wrote the Bible. And so I would read my Bible and then I would look at my life. I would read my Bible. I would look at my church I was going to. I would read my Bible and look at all the lives of the Christians around me. And I would say, these things don't match up. And then I started searching in the scripture because I wanted to know if they're telling me these things don't exist for the church today, I want to read that in my Bible because I believe my Bible. And I studied the scripture for a couple of years and I couldn't find anywhere where the scripture said that the gifts of the Holy Spirit the supernatural signs and wonders, the the clear marks of the Holy Spirit in the early church. I couldn't find anywhere where they said that stuff was, the, the Bible said that stuff was gone. And so I had to decide for myself, am I going to believe what my denomination says or am I going to stick with the word of God? Because if God reveals that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit was essential to the early church, well, then I think if God really wanted us to operate apart from those things, that he would make that clear in the Bible, because the Bible is the one that says pursue the gifts. The Bible is the one that says we need the gifts. The Bible is the, the very source that says the Holy Spirit imparts gifts to all Christians. It's all in the Bible. But then my religion taught me, my denomination taught me that all that stuff had disappeared. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to take the word of a denomination over the word of God. And so I became what's called a continuationist. That just means a person who believes the gifts are available. We'll flash forward a few years. And I know some of you have heard this story before, but we got new listeners. And so I want to make sure I'm clear. Fast forward a few years from when I determined theologically that I believe the gifts were valid and available and that we could have visions, we could have dreams, we could speak in tongues, we could prophesy, we could interpret tongues, we should expect miracles, we should see signs and wonders. All the things that were there in the first century, I said, I believe those things exist, but I still wasn't experiencing any of them. And then I had a radical encounter, that's what I call it, a radical encounter, encounter with the Holy Spirit in my office just a couple of months after I was made the pastor of that very church that I was still at. And so I got ambushed by the Holy Spirit in my, my study one morning, and it changed everything for me. So that's why I consider myself a misfit. I'm a misfit with my former denomination because I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm sometimes a misfit among charismatics because I have a high regard for the word of God, and I believe in theology and doctrine, and I want to know what the verses and even the words of those verses mean. I don't want to just go off of rhema. I don't want to just go off of a prophetic word. I want to know the word of God. And so it often puts me in a place where if I'm hanging out with people that don't believe in the gifts, I'm a misfit. If I'm hanging out with uber charismatic people, I'm a misfit because I want to talk Bible. 
And so ultimately I just said, I'm going to love everybody. And some people are going to be right. Some people are going to be wrong, but I'm just going to love everybody. And as long as they're washed in the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, that's my brother. And that's my sister. As for me and my house, we're pursuing the Lord for all that he has. So I'm going to assume that some of us, maybe all of us could use a little tweaking, a little refresher in our understanding of what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. So I want to take a several podcast episodes and I just want to refresh us. And if you're a, if you're a charismatic, don't turn off the podcast saying, I know all I need to know about the Holy Spirit. Listen, God wants to use you to help people that don't believe in the gifts. And those people typically have a high regard for the word. So if we love those people and we want to be used by God in their lives to help them come into the fullness of the Spirit, we're going to have to show them in the Bible why these experiences and encounters and truths are still in play for the church today. So it's kind of selfish if we say, well, I've already got what I need about the Holy Spirit. I'm just, I'm just going to, those people will figure it out. No, let's be ambassadors because they're living as saved people beneath what God offers them in many instances. And I want to help them and I want you to be able to help them. So how do we help them? By taking them to the Word and saying, look at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. That's the title of today's podcast. What Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit. So it's it's not going to quite be a sermon. I'm not going to really sermonize on this podcast, but I do want to use a lot of Scripture today and just kind of prime the pump a little bit and get us thinking because I want us to realize the Bible is clear that the Holy Spirit is God and that he is at work in the church today in the very same ways he was at work in the church of the book of Acts and even after the book of Acts as the letters are being written. Jesus said this in John chapter 3. He was talking to a really religious guy named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was curious about Jesus, but Nicodemus wasn't converted. He wasn't a believer in Jesus, but he was religious. He was spiritual, so to speak, but he was uninformed. And so in in chapter three of the book of John, it says that Jesus met Nicodemus at nighttime. And this is what Nicodemus said. He said, he called Jesus rabbi. He said, rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who came from God. Nobody can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus looks at Nicodemus. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus introduces the, the doctrine of being born again. Now, We know what that means, but Nicodemus didn't. So Nicodemus says, Jesus, how can a man be born when he's already old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? And Jesus gives this answer about the new birth. This is what Jesus says, and this is important. He says, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God because that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So don't marvel that I said to you, you have to be born again. And then Jesus gives this incredible statement about the Holy Spirit. He says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Now, guys, we, we know John chapter three is, you know, John three sixteen. We you know, you've got to be born again. You've got to be saved. You've got to be. Um, forgiven in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Those are, it's an amazing chapter. But that whole chapter is in the context of a religious person seeking what it means to be made new. That literally, how can I be right with God? How can I enter into the kingdom of God? And Jesus says a very important part of the answer to that question is you have to be born of the spirit. Jesus didn't say, hey, you need to memorize these set of facts you need to say yes to this truth. Now, that's 
heart, saying yes to the truth is part of it. But when Jesus was trying to clear up Nicodemus's confusion, he says, the problem is, is you need a spiritual rebirth. Nicodemus, you're trying to figure out the kingdom. What you need is an encounter that changes who you are in your spirit. And Nicodemus says, I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus says, don't be shocked. I'm telling you, you've got to be born again. And then Jesus identifies the born again experience as this. The wind blows wherever it wants to blow. Nicodemus, you can hear the sound of the wind, but you don't know where it came from and you don't know where it's going when it blows past you. And Jesus says, it's the exact same way with every person that is born of the spirit. Now, why do I say that's important? Well, because what Jesus is saying there is this, you can't fully comprehend the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and you cannot control the Holy Spirit. Spiritual things are discerned through the Holy Spirit. That's important because I spent the first years of my Christian life trying to figure out the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, just reading verses about the Holy Spirit. I tried to predict the Holy Spirit. We acknowledged that the Holy Spirit was God, but we just assumed he was passive. He was a silent observer. The Holy Spirit seals you until the day of redemption when you believe on Jesus Christ. And then we had no answers for what he does after that. You know, we would say, well, he gives gifts unto the body, but we would say some of the gifts that he gives aren't in play anymore. So in other words, anything that was supernatural, anything that would not be explained or could not be controlled, we would say, yeah, that's passed off the scene. I'm talking about things like prophecy, healings, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, signs, wonders, visions, miracles, all of that stuff. We said, yeah, he gifts people with a teaching gift and a leading gift and an administrative gift and a giving gift, but tongues and miracles and signs and wonders, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. Here's a big problem. The word of God never says that. Now, friends, listen, for those of you that have a high regard for the word of God, but do not believe in the gifts of the spirit, I will, I will challenge you. I do it in love, but I challenge you go to the Bible that you love and show me a single verse where it says the gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped. And by the way, show me where it says only certain gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped while others continued. Do you see how messy it is? What Jesus said is this. When you're born of the spirit, there's an element to it that is like the wind and you don't know where the wind came from. You don't know where it's going. And Jesus says, it's just like that with everyone that's born of the spirit. There is an unpredictability to it. There is an essence to it that cannot be defined, cannot be explained, cannot be controlled. It can be harnessed. It can be felt. It can be observed, but it can't be fully explained. And so Jesus starts off his teaching in John three. He says, this is what it means to be a person who's born of the spirit. There's going to be an element of mystery to it. A lot of Christians can't bear the thought of living with mystery. And it's so important that we come back to the place where we recognize that Christianity is not primarily a belief system that is on based on data. It's not primarily a mental Uh, If we're going to call it a religion, let's call it that. It's not primarily a mental religion. Christianity is an experience with the God of the Bible who makes us new through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus starts off and he says to be saved is to equal to being reborn of the Holy Spirit. Remember what he said? He said, truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So how does that work? Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings the gospel to you, usually through a messenger. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts you about your need for Jesus Christ. 
It's the Holy Spirit who brings you to repentance. And then the Holy Spirit regenerates you. The Holy Spirit, when you're saved, enters your temple, the bo- your body, the temple, and he seals you until the day of redemption. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. And then the Bible goes on to say that the Holy Spirit is the one who renews your mind. He fills you. The Holy Spirit brings gifts to you. The Holy Spirit sanctifies you. All of that is taught in the scripture. And so to to kind of, I mean, I don't want to be crude, but we just kind of blow off the Holy Spirit and just like, yeah, we know you're God. Just sit over there and don't do much. That's the attitude of a lot of the the church. It's like, well, the Holy Spirit's somewhere doing something, but he's certainly not going to be doing anything here because we don't believe that way. And what you see is that Jesus said, no, if you're not born of the spirit, you don't even enter the kingdom of God. Now, again, we've already established that Jesus also said the life lived by the Holy Spirit can't be fully explained. That's the wind concept, blowing where it goes. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. You just can experience it. Let's let's just give into this that we can't domesticate the Holy Spirit down to something less than almighty, omnipotent, omnipresent God. And that God, the Holy Spirit, is eternal. He's supernatural. He's active. And he is sovereign and intentional in all of his ways. And friends, I think it honors the Lord to say, Holy Spirit will not be tamed by us, controlled by us, or silenced by us. And yet that's what a lot of churches and denominations do. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to expose error here. Again, I'm not saying these people aren't saved. I was saved. I was sincere. I was pursuing the Lord. But I had to repent of my unbelief and the poor doctrine that was taught to me. Why? Because ultimately it it had resulted in me believing that I controlled the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit didn't control me. And at the very best, the best case scenario was that I believed the Holy Spirit was almighty God, but he just didn't do anything besides regenerating me and, you know, basically sealing me until the day of redemption. And that's not what the scripture says. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. Do you remember in John chapter 16 where Jesus was talking to the disciples and he's getting ready to be crucified and he's telling them, I'm going to go back to my father in heaven. Jesus said this to them. He says, I'm telling you something that's true. This is in John 16 verses seven and eight. He says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete is the word, the parakletos in Greek, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus said, it's actually better for believers to have the Holy Spirit in them than to have Jesus walking beside them. That's incredible. Jesus had spent three years with the disciples and he was getting ready to leave and they were really sad. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. If I go away, it's better for you because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit when I leave and the Holy Spirit is going to take up the work that I began and he's going to do it in you and through you. So I want you to think about this, my Christian friend. According to Jesus and what Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit, you and I are advantaged over people like Moses, Abraham, David, Isaiah, even like John the Baptist. Matter of fact, we're advantaged over all saints who lived and died prior to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. We have it better than them, according to Jesus. And again, the title of the message is what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, oh, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Do you really think that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit simply to empower our disciplines? 
Is that really all that Jesus intended? Jesus said, it's so much better for you to have the Holy Spirit in you than for you to have me, Jesus, walking beside you bodily. And so when I'm thinking about that, I'm like, how did I miss this for so many years? And I think one of the components is, is because I needed revelation from the Holy Spirit. Paul prayed when uh, he was praying or writing to the church of Ephesus. He, in chapter 1, verse 17, he said he was praying for them to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And that means he was praying that the Holy Spirit would open their minds to the truths that he was writing. And one of the things that's so cool is that Jesus taught that that's exactly what the Holy Spirit would do. Jesus taught his followers while he was on earth that the Holy Spirit would teach all followers of Jesus. Jesus was going to leave and the Holy Spirit was going to come. And one of his roles would be to teach us. So the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Jesus said this, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And then Jesus said later, he said in John 16, he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. That's pretty powerful. So the Holy Spirit has a constant teaching ministry. And the reason for me, I'm not going to say this was true for anybody else, but the reason why I came up so short in my understanding of the Holy Spirit is because I was just being taught by man. I was just buying hook, line, and sinker what man had taught me about the Holy Spirit, and I wasn't searching the scriptures for myself. And when I searched the scriptures for myself, the Holy Spirit said, now I can take him beyond what he was taught by man, and I'm going to show him from the word what is true. And so again, I, I learned, it took me about, probably about 18 months of intentionally studying the Holy Spirit in scripture before I had the dramatic awakening that, wow, what I had been taught was wrong. It was absolutely wrong. And again, I had not had any supernatural encounters with the Holy Spirit up to that point. Not really. Uh, nothing like tongues or prophecy or word of wisdom, word of knowledge and, and healings, nothing. But I had this awakening from the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit that all of this stuff was available. And then all of the encounters and the giftings and stuff came later on, but not before I believed it. I had to believe it before I could experience it. I've had people argue and say, well, Jeff, I've been a Christian for 30, 40 years, and I've never experienced any of that stuff. And my answer to them, and some of them, depending on kind of how their attitude is when they're saying it, I just play hardball with them a little bit. I'm saying, yeah, you're not likely to experience much that you don't believe in. If you don't believe in something, you're probably not going to experience it because even if you experienced it, you would probably choose your stubborn theology over the experience. And so I tell people all the time, when you believe in it, you have a greater likelihood of experiencing these supernatural things. But if you insist on not believing in it because you're just going with your denominational doctrine or what was pounded into you, then the Lord taught us not to cast our pearls before the swine. I mean, he's going to do the same thing. He's not going to give his most precious gifts to people that don't believe in them and don't want to use them. So Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach. By the way, just for, for anybody who's wondering, Jesus also said that the Holy Spirit would, would work with non-believers. Um, Jesus said that he, on, at, before Pentecost, Jesus predicted the coming of the Holy Spirit. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the end of the earth. And so Jesus was saying the Holy Spirit's going to empower you to witness to unbelievers. You're going to share the truth. And then 
uh, John would write in chapter 16 that when he comes, Jesus said when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And so the Holy Spirit convicts unbelievers of their need for Jesus. And we need the Holy Spirit to be effective witnesses. I took all of the evangelistic courses that were offered in my denomination. I took Evangelism Explosion. I, I took CWT, Christian Witness Training. I took Share Jesus Without Fear. I, I, I took all of those evangelistic training courses, and they were, they were great. They were great courses. But let me tell you when I got really comfortable talking about Jesus, not when I mastered those courses, but when I experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit imparted me Jesus's love and Jesus's burden for people that were unsaved. That's when it moved out from discipline and moved into delight to share my faith. Um, I will say this, let me just wrap up because I want to keep these lessons short, but we're going to revisit this in the next podcast. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus taught the Holy Spirit also communicates in complete agreement with him as the son of God. The spirit of God is always in agreement with the son of God. Matter of fact, Jesus said again in John 16, and if you want to know a lot about what Jesus taught about the spirit, study John 16. But Jesus said in verses 13 and 14, the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit, that's the spirit of prophecy. He will declare to you the things that are to come. And then in verse 14, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will glorify me. He will take what is mine and will declare it to you. So part of what the Holy Spirit does is he empowers you to witness. He reveals to you a discernment, gives to you discernment about what's going on around you. He even sometimes allows you to see into the future and you can discern what's coming. You can be a son of Issachar, as they're called in the Old Testament, who understood the times and knew what Israel ought, ought to do. And we can have that same kind of discernment in our day because Jesus will show us what's going on in the culture, what's going on in the atmosphere, what's going on in the heavenly realms. And all of that comes through the Holy Spirit. It's Listen, it's not naturally discerned. You can't naturally discern the things of the Spirit. They have to be spiritually discerned. And you can't do that apart from the activity of the Holy Spirit. You can study the word and know the verses and know the theologies and you can systematize them. You can teach them. You can preach them. You can have all of that. You can have your lamp, the light under your feet and the, uh, the lamp under your feet and the light under your path. But if you don't keep oil in that lamp, that lamp is going to become worthless to you. And oil is representative of the Holy Spirit. So we need our lamps. Yes, we need the word. I'm a big, big, big word guy. Don't ever misquote me to think, John, Jeff doesn't care about the word anymore. I absolutely, I care more about it than I ever have. It's the word that brought me to these conclusions about the Holy Spirit. And so when we're looking at this, Jesus said that we would be taught and trained and experience the spirit of wisdom and revelation through the Holy Spirit. Say, well, Jeff, that's just for certain Christians. I don't think that's for all of us. Well, Jesus thought it was for all of us. Remember John 7? John 7 says this. Let me, I'm just going to read you. This is the verse I'm going to read. On the last day of the great feast, John 7, 37, on the last day of the, of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Real quick teaching moment. Jesus stands up at the feast day 
And he says, if you are thirsty, if you're spiritually thirsty, come to me. I'm going to satisfy your spiritual thirst. Come and partake of me. Drink of me. And then he adds this. Anybody that does that, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out from the believer will flow rivers of living water. And then make no mistake, the next verse says it interprets it. He said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will flow out of every believer. This is not a denominational issue. This is not for some slice of the kingdom. This is for every saved person. And so what we have to say is this, is my life characterized by an outflow of the Holy Spirit? Not primarily do I believe in the Spirit. Not am I a charismatic or am I a cessationist? Not am I assemblies of God or Pentecostal or am I Baptist or Presbyterian? No, those are not the right questions. I love people from all of those groups, but I'm getting us into the group called Christians. No denominations. We have to answer the question. Does the Holy Spirit flow out of my life? Because Jesus taught that he would flow out of the lives of every single person that believed on him. And so for me, going back as I close the broadcast today, as, as, as I went back and I look at my life, I was saved. I was water baptized. I was searching for the Lord. I was seeking the Lord. I was disciplined. I prayed. I fasted. I gave. I served. I was in the word constantly. But I didn't have the Holy Spirit flowing out of my life. There, there was no clear evidence of the mark of the Holy Spirit in my life. Everything that was coming out of my life, though it was good and it was actually fruitful, it could not be attributed to the Holy Spirit because they were all things that good, disciplined, Bible-studying, faithful Christians can do on their own. That's the difference. When the Holy Spirit is flowing forth from your life, you will know it's Him because it will result in, in fruit and manifestations that you could never do on your own. That is what we need to be looking for. That's what makes the difference in the lives of those who are walking in the spirit. So as I say goodbye today, let me just add this final thought. If you are hungry for the Holy Spirit, but don't know what to do next, I'm going to encourage you to do what I did back in those days. When I made up my mind that the gifts of the Spirit were available, that there was a fullness of the Holy Spirit I had never experienced, I just began to pray this prayer. And I literally prayed it for, I can't remember the exact time. It was somewhere around a year, a little bit more. But I prayed um, almost every day, Lord, I know there is more. Lord, I want everything that you have for me. Lord, don't leave me where I am. I want everything you have for me as your son. And if there's anything I've been told that's not available, that actually is available, then I choose your word over the word of man. Give me whatever you have for me, no matter what it costs me. And boy, did he answer that. And in an upcoming broadcast, I will tell you exactly what it cost me, but I don't regret a single moment of it. It came with a price, but hallelujah, it came with so much more of a reward. And I will tell you today that I am never looking back. Though friends have left and said goodbye, and though I've been crushed at times by being misunderstood, I will tell you this, I am so happy to be one to whom God revealed 
the work and the ongoing gifting of the Holy Spirit. And the next time we get together, I'm going to reinforce what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit with what Paul taught about the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to move into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So those are the upcoming episodes. Tell people about Mavericks and Misfits. Listen, share it, subscribe to it. If you can give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts, that actually helps us get a digital footprint and makes people more aware of it. If you want to know more about who we are, what we're doing, especially at Transforming Truth, find me at transformingtruth.org and take advantage of all the free resources there. My book is there. If you want to get a copy of my book, you can pick one up there. All sorts of things that we make available. Why? Because we believe it's the truth that sets people free and we want to bring the truth, crushing denominational walls and barriers, building bridges in the kingdom because the time is short and nobody wants to finish walking in their own power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.